from Hope Church Ipswich. For more information about our church, please visit www.hopechurchipswich.net. Welcome Steph up now. Steph along with Morris and Mike Betts, who we had with us a few months ago. They lead Relational Mission, and we're so blessed by him in the first service. So let's welcome Steph as he comes to speak from God's Word to us. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Tom. Good morning. Very good to be with you, a real, a real blessing. Thank you for having us. It's a joy for us to be with you. Greetings from uh, Rev Church London. Um, before I go any further, I'm going to do something cringy, which is plug my own book. All right, so this is like, trust me, guys, I, I wouldn't do this unless I thought it was a, a good thing to do. There's, there's a couple of books here I just want to tell you about. This one's called He Was and Is and Is to Come, and it's really, it's a, it's a beautifully illustrated poem, and it's just the gospel. But it's right, creation through to Christ's return. And um, I've heard, I mean, I've just been so blessed to hear testimonies of people like coming to Christ, reading it and being freshly filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, and so the only reason I'm plugging this, I, I believe, you know, that, that, that God will use it for blessing. Um, this one's called When Two Become One. And um, this, is, this one is a bit more special in terms of how it's hard back. You know, it's like a gift, really. It's great for people getting married or for anniversaries. Um, what I'm going to do today is just take you through a bit of a, a process, even through the sermon, just try to help uh, build in a clarity of thought around good processing when thinking about how we live, how we look to God, how we think about our lifestyle and what God's doing. And there's this little, very simple kind of illustration here, this little drawing where the first thing we're going to do is we're going to go back to first principles. It's so important in life to be able to Drill back to, what, what are we about? What, what, why are we doing what we're doing? You know the why question? We can get so caught up with the what we've got to do, getting through our lists and our to-do lists and the stuff of life. If you don't stop and say why, then what can happen is, is that your clarity of vision and sense of motivation can begin to decrease rapidly and you just get caught in that thing where day-to-day life is a bit humdrum. You understand what I'm saying? So it's so important to go back and say, look, wh- why? What is this about? What are you doing? We're going we're gonna to do that. Then we're going to dig and lay the foundation. The Bible says there's only one foundation you can lay, and that's Jesus. So we're going to lay a lovely foundation of Jesus. Just look at him freshly again today. Let our hearts be thrilled with him, our minds stimulated by him and be enriched by who he is. Then we're going to build well, right? You've got a good foundation laid. You can then start building well upon it. And then I'm not doing the fourth bit. Only God does the fourth bit. God brings growth. God brings increase. God does things in us and through us that we could never do ourselves. And so I'm trusting that as we do that today, as we look at the particular scripture that we are looking at, that God will help us. I don't know about you, when we're singing these songs today, just that sense of of Jesus rescuing us from lives of futility. Amen. I mean, like, wow. The Bible says that naturally the way we're born with is bent within us to worship the created. We, our hearts push down the truth we know about God and, and in a kind of a evil sort of darkness, we go to things that can never satisfy. We give ourselves to things that can never satisfy our soul. And the Bible says that God even gives us over to it. If that's what you want, that's what you can have. But it's futile. These things can seem really exciting and captivating for the first few hours or days or weeks. But they always lead us to that point where we go, there's just not enough in it. There's not enough. There is not enough in anything created to satisfy our souls, because we were made for him. We were made for him. And so, just the context, as we are, as we are looking at this, this scripture in just a moment, the context is, is that he has rescued us by his grace. If you are here, 
and you know Jesus, you have been rescued by the grace of God from a life of futility into a life of ultimate purpose. I mean, that is magnificent. Absolutely priceless. If you don't know the Lord in this room, you can know that today. The work has been done for you by Jesus that has opened a way for anyone, whosoever, anyone who comes to God can know forgiveness, reconciliation with him, adoption into his family, and a brand new life as a free gift. It is extraordinary, this gospel. It is magnificent. So we're going to look at a passage in the Bible today that we know as the Great Commission. In Matthew 28, um, Jesus spoke these words to his disciples just after he had risen from the dead. We're going to look at that later. Before he ascended back into heaven to be at the right hand of the Father, he spoke these words. We're going to read them out loud together. Is that okay? So good, the Bible says, do not neglect the public reading of Scripture. It's so good to be in Scripture together, reading it together. So let's read it together, shall we? And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Amen. The Great Commission, we call it. What does it mean? What is a commission? Well, I looked it up in the dictionary just to make sure I've got it right. And um, it says three things. It says a commission is an instruction, a command, or a role given to a person or a group. An instruction, a command, or a role given to a person in the group. So what we're doing now is we're going back to first principles. Jesus, what do you want us to do? Well, there's a commission. There's something on our lives. There's, there, there, there is something over every single one of us. That, that is to bring shape and, and, and give priority to everything that we do. That's actually wonderfully liberating. It simplifies everything. Because you you, everything you're about, you can say, does it fit in with that? If it doesn't, can it? Doesn't fit. Keeps life simple. I don't know about you, but I'm increasingly drawn to the simple. <laughs> I find something very attractive about the simple. The more complex life gets, the more I get involved with, the more my heart craves the simple. There's something wonderfully simplifying about this. Jesus said to his disciples, I've got this for you. Organize your life under it. Organize everything under it. Organize your choice of job under it. Organize what you do with your time under it. Organize the affections of your heart. and Organize yourself. And this is what I've got for you in this age. This is what I want you to be caught up with until I return. It's wonderfully clarifying. It just okay, right. Well, well, number one, it's an instruction, which means that there is content in it. It's not, it's not just hype or excitement or froth. It's instruction. Here's what you do. Make disciples. How do you do that? Well, you teach people how to obey me and you baptize them. That's what you do. All believers. There's instruction. It's clear. That's what we are. One way or another, there is a calling on our lives to point people to Jesus. And we've got different gifts of doing that, different ways we're going about that. We'll look at that later. But at the end of the day, the first thing to say is, is this instruction. It's, there's clear content here. Okay, we're not left guessing. Number two, it's a command. It's not a suggestion. Jesus rarely suggests things. <laughs> you don't find lots of suggestions in the Gospels. You say, oh, I've got this idea. I don't know if it's going to work, guys, but give it a go. Jesus doesn't talk like that. He, he speaks as the truth. And so, and so what's ever so important, if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, is that you trust him so deeply that you say, Lord, you know what? I'm not going to negotiate with you on everything. Some people are expert negotiators. 
in the sense that someone says something and they go, hmm, well, if I move towards them a little bit, then they'll move a bit, and then I'll move a bit, and we'll end up somewhere in the middle. Yep, sorry, but you can't do that with Jesus. He's the Lord. And so you can't come back and say, Lord, some good ideas in there. Really respect there was some solid content in there. Um, I've got a few problems with a few bits of it, though. So I'll tell you what, I've amended it and adjusted it. Here's why I'm suggesting. Those conversations do not go very far with Jesus. All of us have tried one way or another to try and sort of reason it out, negotiate, move things around a bit. And the whole time, what happens is you get mangled, you get tied up, you get slowed down in nonsense. Guess why? He knows best. That's the whole thing about him being Lord, is that he knows best. He knows everything. And so when he says, do this, that simple childlike trust says, I'm in. I'm all in. I'm not suggesting you should approach any other relationship in your entire life with that kind of absolute, total trust. We are to learn to trust one another, but this is a unique relationship where you say, I'm going to utterly trust you. It's a command. It's what we do. And then thirdly, it's a role. Every one of us has a part to play. I love this. Every one of us. With whatever gifts we've got, we've got a role to play in helping people find Jesus and grow in Jesus. Every single one in the room. Absolutely. So often people get locked up on verses like this. They go, well, I couldn't possibly do that. I, I read what the apostle did, and I did, the apostle Paul, and I can't do that. Fear not. You can do something. Some of you here, you've got an extraordinary grace in praying. Extraordinary grace. We ought to pray, but some of us are just enlarged in prayer, enabled, empowered. That's a wonderful contribution to this mission. Some of us, hospitality. He's a grace on you to open your home. And after, after everyone's come into your home and come out again, you're less tired than when they arrived. <laughs> Spiritual gift of hospitality. You know when you're flowing in your gift. Because you're less tired afterwards. It's like me and, me and preaching. Sometimes I literally preach for days on end. And then I go back to the host and they say, you must be exhausted. I say, no, I'm, actually, I'm not exhausted. I'm really excited. Because it, preaching is the thing I do when I'm not doing anything else. I preach to anything that moves or doesn't move. You know when you're in your gift when it brings that sort of life. I tell you, the Lord has gifted his body so diversely. Any, any gift you have can fit in under this and be extraordinarily fruitful. It's so exciting. It's so thrilling. What could it be? Leading an alpha table, one-to-one conversations, serving behind the scenes. But it, it all flows into this beautiful idea of people coming to know more and more about Jesus, coming into relationship with him. The enterprise that we are part of does not involve the masses arriving somewhere, sitting there passively while a few experts do the stuff and then going home again. No. The idea of what I'm doing now in these few minutes here is to equip you to do the stuff. That's the purpose of God. He's created a body of very different members to do the stuff together. That's inspiring, isn't it? You have a part to play. It's instruction. It's a command. You've got a part to play in it. We're going back to first principles here. Now let's lay the foundation of Jesus. Because the context of Jesus saying these words is that he has risen from the dead. He's paid the price for the sins of the world at the cross. Let's just stop there a moment. And once again, I look upon the cross where you died. I'm humbled by your mercy and I'm broken inside. Because we know that all we bring to the table in this salvation is our sin. All we bring is where we've messed it up. And what he brings to us is this extraordinary sacrifice. 
where he poured out his perfect life. So that we wouldn't just be officially forgiven, we would be completely forgiven. We would be legally forgiven. The, the forgiveness would flow into our heart and conscience. We would be cleansed and made brand new. This is extraordinary. Don't you love the gospel? I, love, I, could, I could sing about the blood of Jesus forever and it's a good job because I think I'm going to. Just the wonderful love of God that has flown into us through Jesus. That we could stand before God with our heads held high. That we could stand before God with a clear conscience, knowing, us knowing, and Him knowing, all the terrible things we've thought, said, and done. We can stand and look Him in the face and He becomes our glory and the lifter of our head. This is Jesus Christ crucified in our place. The price has been paid. It's been done. This is good news. This is why we sing. This is why we dance. This is why we come with gratitude in our hearts. The work has been done. Hallelujah. And then he risen from the dead. Now, what you've got to understand is, is that the, the, the resurrection is absolutely key. Absolutely key. The, the phrase Christ crucified has to sum up within it the resurrection. Otherwise, the salvation that we enjoy doesn't work. I'm going to say three things about the resurrection. Number one, the resurrection was God the Father validating and vindicating the Son, saying, yes, he, he, the Bible says that through his resurrection, he was declared to be the Son of God with power. He now carries all authority in heaven and on earth. There is, there is nowhere where Jesus doesn't own. There's nowhere where his name doesn't reign. There's nowhere where his rule cannot reach. Now, we know through our everyday experience of life and through watching the news and all of that, we know that we don't yet see the full realization of that. But the Bible says that he is now reigning until all of his enemies are gathered under his feet. And then he will return. He reigns with all authority now. He has all jurisdiction now. He reaches every part of creation now. Because he is alive and he's risen from the dead. He reigns. He reigns. Yeah, it's massive. So important we understand that he has this unique place. Number two. The Bible says that the one who held us in slavery through fear of death, has been destroyed by Jesus' work for us. Jesus rising from the dead is a massive declaration that death has been defeated. And so we no longer have to live in slavery to the fear of death. There may be one or two of you in the room who live with a very concrete fear of death. Let me tell you that Jesus can release you from that because he himself has defeated death. But let me say actually in a much broader way, I think many of us, battle with this perhaps more than we think we realize. For example, me and flying. I used this illustration in the sermon earlier this morning. Me, for me, thank you to the scientist who during the break explained this to me. Uh, it's brilliant. I loved it. it. explained to me why it works. I'm still struggling on an emotional level to understand how an aeroplane, something that heavy, can stay up at 30,000 feet. To me, it doesn't work. I have to fly a lot. It's part of what I do. It's part of what God's called me to do. Every time before takeoff, I would have a little moment with the Lord. I will. Where I just tell him, I'm in your hands. <laughs> just remind him he's Lord. All of that. Because for me, it's an area where I can get nervous. It can get into me. For a while, it, it got into me in an unhealthy way. And I began to retreat into like a fear of flying. That's, that's fear of death. Fear of a very horrible, dramatic death. The point is this. We will all feel fear. Paul said to the Corinthians, I came to you with much fear and trembling, but he came to them. That's the point. And Jesus defeating Satan and death through his death and resurrection means we no longer have to make our decisions out of fear or be dominated or directed by it. We may feel fearful, but we do what we know God wants us to do. Amen? 
That's the liberty that he brings us into through his resurrection. Jesus will bring that liberty to you as you allow him. Soak it into your soul, your spirit, and your mind until you find that your life is more and more directed to, directed by his victory than your fears. Number three. The resurrection or the renewal of the entire creation began at the resurrection of Jesus. At his resurrection, from that point on, it's now guaranteed that the whole of creation, the whole, the whole of the cosmos will be renewed one day because resurrection has now begun. And the Bible says every time someone gets born again, the resurrection begins in them. So that even though as they get older, their bodies decay, it says that on the inside, they get younger and younger every day. Hallelujah. How wonderful is that? That actually we become younger and younger on the inside, that our lives ought to be becoming more and more adventurous, or even if our bodies don't allow, um, kind of our inner kind of approach to life, more and more adventurous, more and more straightforward, more and more renewed in the simplicity and life of the gospel, more and more shiny, more and more radiant. That's the plan. How cool is that? It's the gospel. It's what Jesus did through his resurrection. This is the risen Lord Jesus Christ. So we've laid a foundation of Jesus. Now let's move forward in this. Let's build on this now foundation. Look at the Great Commission. Three things on the Great Commission. Number one, we are to invest ourselves in people. See that? He's saying this is what you're going to be about. People. Point them to me. Pour yourself into them. Instruct them and help them learn how to obey me. Because in their obedience to Jesus, there's freedom. This is the thing. In obedience to Christ, there is joy and freedom. It comes from a place of trust. There is a wonderful simplicity about it. God's strategy has always been people. From Genesis 1, let's create people in our image and then let them multiply so the whole of creation can be filled with my glory and my image. God's strategy has always been people. God has never given up on people. Therefore, we have no right to give up on people, but to imitate God and invest ourselves in other people. It is pricelessly wonderful when you invest in people and then you see the fruit of that. Sure, sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it doesn't seem to work out. Sometimes there's seasons where you think, I thought I put a lot of good in there. Where's the evidence of it? Yes. But I tell you, there's a whole load of other stuff. Let me tell you, you will reap what you sow. And if you sow yourself into people and sow the good stuff into people and sow Jesus, you will see amazing things happen. Sometimes people invest their life in pets. Nothing wrong with pets. Investing your life in pets is a problem. It's not where you should be primarily investing. Some people invest their life in projects. Nothing wrong with projects. But the end game always is to be people. Always. Because God's strategy for reaching the earth, filling it with his glory, with the good news, with people finding new life and forgiveness is through other people. That's what it is. It's a simple strategy. If this whole church is set up to glorify God and invest into people, that is wonderfully healthy. Letting your light shine, not hiding. Letting people see who you are in Jesus, living honestly as a Jesus person in front of others. Loving people without strings attached, but always pointing them to Jesus. Wow. I tell you, it's magnificent. It's magnificent. I don't want to embarrass anyone, but I do want to give a big shout out to John and Molly because they invested in me. John Molly Oldfield, 28 years ago, I came to Christ. When we come to Christ, we all come spiritually broken. I came spiritually broken like every other human. I also came emotionally broken and psychologically broken. I wasn't in a good way at all. And Molly worked a Chelsea bun magic. If you've never had a Molly Chelsea bun, I tell you, you haven't lived. 
So it's, kind of, it's a bit of a pincer movement they do. Molly all smiles and Chelsea buns. John will sit you down and get the Bible out. Start telling you to sort yourself out. And I'd sit down and have this little folder. And John would send me to scriptures and I'd write them down. And I'd go home and meditate on them and get drawn back again by the Chelsea buns. They poured themselves into me. Poured themselves in. Laid the foundation. Remember one day coming back from uh, going to their house after a day at work in a bad way. When I first got saved, probably for about two or three years, I just had immense uh, issues in terms of like oppressive thought life and terrible, terrible darkness really. And um, God used all kinds of different means to sort of lift it in that way. It's not like that anymore. Obviously we all still have battles, but it's not like that anymore. And I always remember, I always point back to a moment where I went around John and Molly's. I said, how's your day been? I said, awful. I started crying. And then John gave me a hug. And it was all right for the first 10 seconds. You know the ones you go, yeah, okay, we're just doing a hug. We're Christians now. This is how we roll. We can do that. (laughs) And then he carried on. And then you go for about two or three minutes of, like, panic. Like, I'm in a cold. I've been kidnapped. You know, all kinds of thoughts. (laughs) Then you come through that. And it it becomes this incredible, like, healing moment where you just go, this has never happened to me before. This is extraordinary. You know, there was John sitting down with the scriptures and there was Molly with the Chelsea buns, but then there was that moment there where it's just love poured out. That's life-changing. That is, you're just pouring into people. You know, those books would never have been written without that. I don't know where I'd be. Just open home, open heart. It's immense. It is absolutely immense. My mum always used to be afraid of hospitality. She would never open her home because she wasn't very good at cooking. So she'd never open her home because she just would get food out of packets and put it in the oven. And she never cooked anything from, she didn't, she wasn't, um, she never learned how to. And then one day God broke that fear in her. God just broke that fear in her. Because she, she never became master chef, but she really was good at loving. She started opening up her home and people would start coming back after church and I still meet people now who say things like, I was part of your mum's small group. It was amazing. She loved us so well. You've got something to bring. Investing in people. It's immense. There's something very undramatic about the day-to-day Christian life. There's those big moments. And then there's the moments where you just go along and you you have some fellowship. You open the word a bit, drink some tea, you go home. Sometimes people that get a bit addicted to kind of spiritual experiences, they begin to downplay that. They go, oh, I won't go next week. I'll, I'll, I'll do something more dramatic or I'll just have, I don't know, I'll have an amazing experience by myself somewhere or something. I don't know, whatever people think. And then they do the same the next week. And then a few months in, they go, something doesn't feel the same. Something doesn't feel the same. What's, what's that there? There's something very undramatic about fellowship. But you know what? If I was to say to you, how many meals that you've eaten in your life can you actually literally remember? Specific meals at specific times. Maybe most of us 10. Maybe the food is 20, 30. But imagine if you'd only eaten 30 meals in your life. What sort of state would you be in? There's a lot that goes on that's instantly forgettable, but it puts something in you that nourishes you and helps you keep growing. You must never despise little interactions with people being invested into and invested in others. It means and it matters so much. So that's number one, investing in people. Number two, the ends of the earth. Some of us will go to the ends of the earth physically. Others of us, you know what? We won't. We might stay in the same village, town or city for the whole of our life. Let me tell you this. It is God's plan that he, that he has a people whose hearts are enlarged and expanded so that whether they go or whether they stay in their heart, they are carrying the ends of the earth. So they're able to pray 
for nations they've never been to before. They're able to give to situations they're never going to get to physically. But God has done something in their heart. I tell you, when that happens in someone, they're becoming a kingdom person. They're beginning to carry and share God's heart for the nations and beginning to labor and partner with Him. Prayers. I tell you, this Great Commission needs prayers. We lost my mum in April. She went to be with the Lord. She wasn't able to get out of the house for a few weeks before that. Here was her response to that. She sends out to all the family, well, look, I can't seem to get out anymore, so I'm going to do, be doing a bit more praying. Please send some more items through. That's a woman who was carrying God's heart. We found a prayer list. Uh, my stepdad found a prayer list of hers after she went to be with the Lord. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. And we've already seen prayers answered since then from before that she was being praying for that we hadn't, hadn't been answered um, by the time she went to be with the Lord, but now have been. I tell you, we're caught up in something eternal. We're caught up in something so much bigger than ourselves. Hallelujah. Our society is consumed with self. Thank God that he's broken us out of that. And we're caught up in something beyond that. Amen? So life-giving. So magnificent. It's so, so wonderful. Do what you can with what you've got. Who knows what God will do to the ends of the earth? Just do what you can to what you've got. Myself and Davina, before we was married, we started a youth group um, in our church building in Bermondsey, South London, surrounded by council estates. It was a really simple affair. Tuck shop, table tennis. I think there was a scruffy old snooker table and a few bits and bobs. It wasn't much to it. I opened it up to local 11 to 14-year-olds. Halfway through the evening, gave them all upstairs and preached Jesus to them. That's what we did every other week. It was tiring. It wasn't very glamorous, but there was a young lady there from a country that I'm not going to tell you what country she's from because it's a bit delicate. She was about 12 years old. God started working in her heart during these Jesus preaches. Second half of the youth group, we'd have the God room, where if you wanted to talk about anything that came up, just come and talk to us about it. Over about a year, God so worked in her heart, she gave her life to Jesus. A few months later, her brother gave his life to Jesus. Then her cousin gave his life to Jesus. Now bear in mind, her dad is the number two leader of the Communist Party in the country she comes from. Then when we go to North London to plant a church, her and her husband come with us, and they're with us about 10 years, to prepare to go back to the nation they came from as refugees when they were kids. They're now back there, sharing the gospel and planting churches. All we did was run a little youth group for local kids to talk about Jesus. Our bread and fish. He does the amazing stuff. He weaves it together. He does things you could never. You say, how do you do that? It's just, it's just, <laughs> I love it. I love the simplicity of it. Obey, trust, and obey. I'm going to do, we're going to do the commission. And then God weaves things in. You go, how did you do that? <laughs> I think he just laughs with delight as he's seen our obedience and what it's led to in his purposes. And then the final thing about the Great Commission. So we've got invested in people. Let your heart be expanded to the ends of the earth. And then the final thing is this, the promise of his presence. I'm with you always to the end of the age. Now, I know he lives in a spy spirit anyway, but I think here there's a promise of when you engage with this, you will know my presence in an extraordinary way because you will need my presence in an extraordinary way because you'll be in conversations where words fail you and you'll need my spirit to put words in your mouth right there and then. And you'll face things that make you think, I'm not up, I'm not, this is beyond me, and I will give you what you need. And I tell you, the more we allow ourselves to be caught up and engaged in this, what God has put over all of our lives, the more you will know his presence. It's so exciting. It's so exciting. I want to read to you from John 12. It's, it's very logical, but it's quite deep. 
Jesus says this. He says, it's, it's a very similar idea. He says, um, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. Now listen. And then where I am, there my servant will be. And I think sometimes we get on with our own thing and we want Jesus to be with us in it. I'm doing this now, Lord. Come and bless me. Or, you know, we wouldn't say it like that, but, you know, that can be the heart. So we're doing our thing and we want Jesus to bless us. Jesus says, no, 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 no. If you want to serve me, follow me. And then where I am, which is doing this, you'll be there with me. In that scenario, you will know his presence, not because he has followed your little plan and he's blessing you, but because he doesn't do that. He's the Lord. He doesn't follow anyone. We follow him. We go, we follow him into what he is doing, and we find his presence there. What a promise. I personally say I have found there have been times where, well, two kinds of different times. Number one, where I've just obeyed and just sensed his equipping presence in extraordinary ways. And then other times there have been times where I've just thought, Lord, I'm just feeling really dry. Where's your presence? And it's not been that I've not prayed enough or, you know, all these things we go through sometimes in our crazy little checklist. You think, well, what's the problem? And, you know, sometimes it's just a sovereign thing. But there have been definitely times where I just feel like, you know what? I'm not really organizing my life around this. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just doing my thing and I'm asking Jesus to bless it. And as I've just said, Lord, I'm sorry, Lord. This is what my life is, what is going to be about. Tell you, things change. Amazing things change. I want to just tell you a story. My three, three friends of mine from our church, two of them felt called to start a YouTube channel in South Korea, as you do. The third one said, I'm going to come with you and make sure you keep on track in terms of the Great Commission. What a friend. Huh? What? I'm going to come with you and we're going to make sure it's missional. So they live together for three months. They have their devotionals together every morning. One of the YouTube guys, I spoke to him about a year later, he's, and this guy got saved at New Day 2004, brought up a new front of his church, been with us at Rev for 10 years. He came back and said to me, I feel like I've become a Christian. I get it now. I actually get this thing now. They were just, and, they, and then what happened was they lived together for three months and did that, and then they moved into different flats. So he said, how are we going to keep praying together? Well, we'll just do it in coffee shops. We'll just do our devotions in coffee shops together. Last time I chatted to them, they told me about a Japanese guy they led to the Lord in a coffee shop. They're now planting a church there. It's just God's just blessed. You're, you're, you're living boldly for Jesus. I tell you, they are the most normal people. Well, one of them's a bit extraordinary <laughs> in terms of specific spiritual gift. But they're very, very normal people just living for Jesus. You can do this, guys. Just obey. Just trust. He does the amazing stuff. Amen? I wanted just to sort of come into to land a little bit to just help us engage with this. Um, let's just have a moment just to pray. Just to, Lord, thank you for your presence. Thank you for what you're doing in hearts across the room. I just want to pray now for uh, the quickening of the Holy Spirit. Stirring and calling, putting in dreams and visions, breaking off timidity and unbelief and kind of a wrong sort of busyness. We just thank you for what you're doing, Lord. Just thank you. Thank you, Lord. You give us such clarifying direction. Thank you, Lord. When we organize our life under this, it just brings such clarity, such simplicity. And I just pray, Spirit of God, as you just move across this room now, I pray for faith. Bring faith now, Lord. Bring fresh faith. Just faith to say, I'm going to have a go at that. I'm going to take that step. Thank you, Holy Spirit.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to just speak for a few more minutes. So I'm praying to feel stirred with a few things. Keep talking about Jesus, guys. Don't go quiet on Jesus. Love without strings, of course. We love without strings. But keep talking about Jesus. There's something in there. This, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the message of Christ. Okay? Our lives should be adorned with good work so that people go, wow, this, this, something's going on here. What is this? And questions are asked and there's an attractiveness. But a, there is, there has to be that Jesus. This is about Jesus. So, so important, brothers and sisters. We don't go timid. We don't go quiet. It's ever so important that we get that right. And to resist a kind of a favor with the authorities and with others that's kind of uh, leads to compromise. Don't want that. There's real wisdom needed to walk that one there. There's wonderful things the Holy Spirit is birthing in hearts across this room. Really, really great things. And um, I guess I want to just finish by just calling you up into what we're about um, as a family of churches. It's a very simple thing that we are. We're a family of churches, all right? So when you think about relational mission, don't think about some entity out there. It doesn't exist. It's us, this family of churches, and what we're doing, well, together, we're talking about Jesus, preaching Christ. Through that, we're planting churches and strengthening churches. That's what we're doing. That's what we're about. Because we believe that God's plan is through the church to bring extraordinary advance of his kingdom into the world and change multitudes of lives and turn things around through the church. That within the church are all the ministries that are needed to do that. It's not just tilted into this or tilted into prophecy or just evangelism or just pastoring. That apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, equipping the church, building her up so she can do the stuff and see wonderful things happen. That's who we are. That's what we're about. And our vision is we, what, are we, what are we imagining? What are we trusting and believing and praying for? Well, we want to see, we want to plant five multiplying churches in every continent of the world by 2030. We call that global 530. Some of you, this will be some of you. This, I believe this is my friends in Korea. This will be some of you. There's stuff, some of you, you just find you always want to pray for that country or look it up on the internet and find out about it. That's often a little sign that God is just stirring your heart for something. Don't dismiss that. Don't dismiss that. Let the Lord grow that in its time. Just incubate it. Sit on it. Pray about it. Talk to leaders about it. Let it grow. You really want to see this happen. We also care about our nation. Amen. Care about the UK. And the turmoil that we're in, I tell you, listen, we mustn't be knocked off by that. We mustn't be unsettled by that. The Bible says everything that can be shaken will be shaken so that that which is unshaken remains. Okay, God uses seasons like this, which none of us would want, but he uses seasons like this to shake things so that what is unshakable can come through. We are carrying a vision in the next 20 odd years, plant 100 churches up and down our nation. But maybe there's another village, town, city on your heart in this nation. Let's start talking about it. Let's start praying. Start with the prayer group. Sometimes you go, well, it's only me. Well, there might be someone else. It's only them and only them. You can start praying together. Let's do this. Our heart is to plant 20 churches in each of the other European countries. That's 50. 50 of them by 2050. Europe 2050. It's massive. It's about 1,000 churches. Crazy, huh? How are you going to do that? Well, you, you, you take what you've got and you obey Jesus and you trust him. Like the boy with the bread and the fish. He does amazing things. Amen. Amen. Can we just stand to our feet and I'm just closing prayers. Is that all right? Thank you for these precious brothers and sisters, Lord. Thank you for what you are doing among us. Thank you, Lord, that we've got a wonderful vision ahead of us. I want to just simply bless all that you are doing, Holy Spirit. And I want to bring my yes and my amen and my faith alongside theirs. 
And I pray, Lord, that you would give great wisdom in these coming days for those who need wisdom in terms of, okay, what's the next practical step? You bring boldness where it's needed, I pray, in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord, just want to declare that, that um, perfect love casts out fear in the name of Jesus and that Jesus is risen and has all authority. We declare that over hearts, souls and minds today. And we pray, let no one live in a cage of fear. We pray for people to be increasingly learning how to step out of that through your perfect love. So let your love fill hearts, I pray in Jesus' name. And Lord, we just continue to ask that we would know your presence, that you would help each of us express our gifts in your great commission, for your glory and for our good. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. Please feel free to make a copy of this content, but please do not edit the content in any way.